Agent Power Huddle is a daily jumpstart, giving you all the tools you need to create an amazing real estate career. Led by top experts in the field, you'll learn how to sell more houses in less time while creating the life you want. Welcome to the Agent Power Huddle. All right, we're ready to start. Uh, welcome to the Agent Power Huddle. Today is Wednesday. My name is Ogi Penev. I'll be your host today. And I have a special guest, a friend of mine, fellow agent, Debbie Pelham. And she's from Fresno, California. Say hi to Debbie. Hi, Debbie. How are you? Hi, everyone. All right, guys. Today, uh, actually, we're starting this um, podcast on, on Wednesdays. Now we're going to be talking about uh, Systems Wednesdays. So practically, we're going to be coming up with advices, advice that you can directly implement in your business. So uh, you put a system, duplicatable, um, duplicatable system that uh, you can increase your business. So if you guys have any questions, any suggestions, anything that troubles you in your business and you need help with setting up system, please give us a, uh, let us know, put a comment, send us email or just here, comment, and then we'll be happy to get an expert or one of us that has experience can help you build that system here live on the podcast. So today we're gonna be talking about transaction coordinating or hiring a transaction coordinator. So in my personal experience, this is the very first person you need to hire when um, you, uh, your business is growing. Um, it's not buyer's agent. It's not a partner. The first thing you got you have to hire is the transaction coordinator. And here's when you would know that um, to hire one. So here's my cue when, based on my experience, I forgot to go on a listing appointment. I was so busy that I forgot I had a listing appointment. That was my cue that something has to change. So I went and I hire transaction coordinator. So transaction coordinator is going to save you some time in the beginning. And the transaction coordinator is the first step to hiring a full-time assistant. So don't make the mistake of hiring a buyer's agent first. Go with transaction coordinator first. So from the transaction coordinator, once you start paying transaction coordinator per file, at certain point, you have too many files and you pay a lot of money to this transaction coordinator. When that amount that you spend for transaction coordinator is equal to the amount of a, of a full-time assistant, at that time, it's time to get a full-time person. So do not jump from hiring a full-time assistant first. Start with a transaction coordinator that you pay per file. Once that amount per month is equal to a full-time assistant cost, then go ahead and hire a full-time assistant. So today, me and Debbie, we're going to be talking about the first steps, how to hire transaction coordinator, how to find out who is good, who is bad, what to look for, and um, if you see something bad, what to look for in order to fire that person quickly so you don't have to waste time. All right, Debbie, first, could you give us a few, um, a little bit more information about you so everybody knows? 
Well, thank you so much. And I appreciate the opportunity to be on here and share my knowledge on this subject. Um, my name is Debbie Pelham, and I am the, in the Central Valley of California in Fresno. And um, I moved here um, about four and a half years ago. And one of the things I did, I've been an agent for about six and a half years. And one of the things that I did to keep me going was to become a transaction coordinator. I've always been one who was big on the clerical side of things. I was a bookkeeper for 25 years before I was a realtor. So I've always been very clerically clerical minded. So the paperwork excites me. I love paper and I'm having a hard time transitioning to digital, but I'm, I'm learning and I'm doing better at it. So one of the things I did to supplement my income was to help other agents with their files. One thing I found out about this area is that everybody is very loyal to the local people that have been born and raised here. Well, I was born and raised in Alaska, moved to Southern California when I was 16 and moved to Fresno when I was 46. So um, that transition was difficult and I needed to make money because I needed to pay the bills. So but you're saying that, uh, a new, okay, can a, let's say I'm going to the real estate business right now. I'm getting my license. I'm a, I'm a rookie. I don't have any clients. Is it a good idea for me to start doing transaction coordinating in order to learn the business? I don't some, think so. Get, you don't think so? No. The reason I say that is because the role, and, and this will transition into the role of a transaction coordinator. For me, when I assist agents on their files, I'm also, with many of them, guiding them on what to do when certain situations come up. Because a lot of times it becomes a one-on-one -on -one mentoring opportunity. And so for me, in my experience, having a transaction coordinator who can assist you with some of the real estate things, which is one of the questions that I, I wanted to answer was, do they need to be a licensed realtor? And if you can get a transaction coordinator that's a licensed realtor, even better, because they can help you on a different level. And you want someone who's got experience, because if there's Say, for example, you have a trust that you're dealing with, with a buyer or a seller. There's certain documentation that's needed in order to satisfy that criteria. If someone hasn't sold a home before, they don't necessarily know that, depending on the training they're getting from their broker. So that's why I think having a transaction coordinator who is also a realtor, who has also sold homes and knows the business is critical and they're going to be the ones to optimize helping you. Okay, guys. So first, what Debbie's saying, first, um, what you, you should look for when you're uh, um, looking for transaction coordinator. First, don't hire rookies. Okay, you need experienced agent so they, they can help you and guide you through the process. Number one, uh, and then number two, the transaction coordinator must be licensed. Right, Debbie? They don't have to be, but I do highly recommend it because they can help you on a different level. I know in the state of California, there uh, if you're not licensed, you can't help with certain things. Um, like you cannot assist with um, certain information. You can't provide inf certain information. So for me, if I were to hire a transaction coordinator, I would want them to be a licensed realtor. I would want them to have sold something, I mean, a couple of transactions, at least have 10 transactions under their belt so that they know the process and they know okay. the timelines and they know everything that's required of their position in your business. 
Got it. Okay. So licensed. Um, I mean, maybe, maybe not, but I would say, you know I what, guys, it. make make it easy. Just hire a licensed people. Um, it's going to make your life easier. It, you're paying for the service. Get a good service. So licensed, experienced, sold properties. You have some transactions under the belt so they know what they're doing. Okay. Okay. What else? What should we look for a person when we're hiring one? Well, me personally, and I can only speak from my experience, so I'm going to give that disclaimer right up front. Me personally, I have um, worked with agents that are either very hands-on with their clients and they want to go over every document with their clients. They just need me to organize the paperwork and tell them what's needed in order to complete their file for their broker. Then I've also worked with agents who have called me and said, Here's the address. I need you to write up a listing agreement. I need you to get this on the MLS and I need you to do da 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 da. Okay, well, so that's the, two different the levels of service. So transaction coordinator has to be flexible based on the needs of the agent and have multiple levels of service. Like uh, depends how much the agent wants to be involved. Right. I cater my services and what I charge based on the needs of the agent that I'm assisting. So say, for example, somebody needs a higher level of service, that's going to cost a little bit more money. If someone just needs me to organize the paperwork, then I'll organize the paperwork. So I really try to cater to what the agent needs. And if they need a little bit more help and mentoring, because maybe they are newer in the business, maybe they've only gotten five or six deals under their belt and they really need a little more guidance, then that also plays a factor in the pricing strategy. Okay. Is there something in the transaction coordinating service that the transaction coordinator must offer in order to, to choose that transaction coordinator? Um, some kind of a uh, step in the process that cannot be overlooked and ha it's a very important step that has to be in the service. Like, I, uh, I would mm -hmm. say great organizational skills because you're shuffling a ton of stuff, a ton of paperwork, getting signatures, um, have good organization skills, have good time management skills because there are timelines with when the EMD needs to be brought into to title or wherever it goes in your state, um, when the seller disclosures need to be given to the buyer, when they're supposed to be returned, when are contingencies supposed to be removed, when is the appraisal going out, when do you have to remove the appraisal contingency if there is one, those kind of timelines need to be managed. So time management and organizational skills are critical for a transaction coordinator. So is it important for the transaction coordinator to uh, use the agent's CRM or it's okay for the agent to allow the transaction coordinator to use its own CRM? I've never used somebody's CRM because that's for lead generation more so. Um, basically, the way that I've worked with other agents is they either say, hey, I have a listing that needs to be processed or I have a purchase contract that needs to be processed. So that lead generation part is still part of the agent's responsibility. So I don't get involved with their CRM. However, um, I know like with some brokers, they use Skyslope as their transaction management software. So being proficient in whatever transaction management software you use is is helpful. That way, that's one less thing that they have to learn. If they don't know it, it's very user-friendly. If they use Skyslope, it's very user-friendly and it, it doesn't take much to, to get, a, get a grasp on it. Gotcha. Okay. So where an agent should start 
if they want to hire TC, transaction coordinator? What's the first step? What should they look for? Should they ask the broker, go online somewhere, groups, or what's the best way? So some brokerages have in-house transaction coordinators. So I would I would say that would be a first step. If you don't have um, a brokerage where you have an in-house transaction coordinator, um, maybe ask around some of the top producing agents and in the office. Word of mouth is always the best referral source. Um, so ask some of the top agents in the office who they use. And if they're not a bit, if that person isn't available, then who do they recommend? Because sometimes TCs will know other TCs that are taking on work in that area. Um, I know a few that um, I worked side by side with that if I couldn't take on the extra workload, then they I would refer to them. So first, I would check with your broker. If they don't have anybody in house, then I would check with um a top producing agent in the office or someone who does quite a bit of business. Now with EXP, we do have workplace. So you can always post something in workplace to see if anybody can recommend a transaction coordinator. So if you have some kind of forum um, within your broker where you can ask questions like that, that would be another suggestion. And um, how many files can a transaction coordinator handle per month or at one single time before it gets too busy and stop dropping the ball. That is an individual. Um, that is an individual uh, boundary, I guess you could say. Um, I've handled between twenty and twenty-five transactions in escrow at a time. Um, but I'm also someone who's available 24-7 to my agents. I give them 150% of me and I dedicate my entire being to that. Kim's given me thumbs up because I, I will do whatever I need to do to help. I am a giver and I love to help people. And I almost like being behind the scenes more than I like mm -hmm. on the front line selling houses, but I do both. Um, so it depends on the individual. Some people aren't able to take on more than a couple of agents and can only work about five or six, files at a time. There's some that can work. I mean, I've had 25 in escrow with 15 listed that I was working. And so it just depends on the individual. I'm also a different, I'm a different breed. So it depends on the level of, and the things on the uh, service. Yeah. So, but we still, agents have to be careful of, you know, if the TC is too busy for them. You know. Give them the courtesy. If you have another file to give them, or if you have a bunch to give them, give them the courtesy of having a choice, like say, Hey, can you take on more work? That's the, that is so appreciated from this perspective, from the transaction coordinator perspective, not having that assumption that I can just dump stuff on you. Give them the courtesy and the consideration because they're really, really, really the backbone of your business. If you're using a transaction coordinator, they're keeping all the legalities in check for you. And so give them that courtesy, that respect. And um, I mean, obviously, if they're deserving of it, if they're not doing a good job, then that's something totally different. But if they're if they're behind you 100 percent and doing everything they're supposed to do, give them the courtesy of, of a choice. So how do you start recognizing if things are not going well? If the transaction coordinator is dropping the ball, they're not doing the right thing, how would an agent can see the first signals of that so they can act quickly? So this has come up in conversation with me recently. So a lot of times um, agents get really busy 
And if you're working a file, if you're on a file as the agent and the other agent does not have a transaction coordinator, many times it's not the transaction coordinator you have that's dropping the ball. Many times it's the agent who doesn't have a transaction coordinator who maybe didn't see the email or maybe didn't get to it in time or maybe the client never got the email to sign the document. So a conversation with giving whoever the benefit of the doubt is so appreciated because stuff happens, life happens, people miss emails, people forget to sign something because they want to look it over later and they forget to do it. Life is so busy these days. So before you rule out a transaction coordinator, really get to the root of what's going on because oftentimes it's not the transaction coordinator because usually we're pretty OCD people and we like things to be just so and in order and timely. That's kind of our 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 makeup and our demeanor. Um, so many times it's, it's a combination of other things that have factored in. So having a, a open-minded conversation as to what's going on, if there's signs of that. So signs of possible um, ineffectiveness would be if the timelines aren't being adhered to, if disclosures aren't sent to the other agent in time from the seller side, if contingencies aren't being removed. Um, there's still a responsibility for the agent to be the agent on the file and take care of a majority of the things. But the documentation side is the transaction coordinator's responsibility and whatever is agreed upon between both people. Because some agents, like I said, are more hands-on and want to be more involved. So it depends, You have, really having an open conversation about expectations is critical. And then that prevents having to fire someone in the end. And, it, and if you do, then it makes it easier because you've agreed on X, Y, and Z. And if they're just not cutting it, then, hey, we agreed to this, you know? And I, I do have an agreement that I do send to people that outlines the basics of what I do. And usually it's about 50% of what I actually do. I usually do way more. What about the other way around? Have we ever fired an agent? Yes. <laughs> Why? He was a walking lawsuit. <laughs> he okay. had he was he was not knowledgeable in the business and no matter how much i tried to coach him and mentor him and give him guidance and not from a boastful standpoint but like okay this is what's happened this is what needs to be done so that we're compliant from a, a, a very teachable perspective but it was like it went over his head in one ear out the other he didn't want to do it or I couldn't trust that he was relaying the information correctly because um, he, he just, he wouldn't go to trainings. He wouldn't, he wouldn't do the things he needed to, he was a newer agent. He wouldn't do the things he needed to do. And I was actually assigned him by the broker because he needed more one-on-one -on -one assistance. And they said, you're the one that can whip him into shape. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, because nobody My wanted shoulders him. shoulders aren't that big. <laughs> I tried. <laughs> and uh, he showed me a list. You have a list of the services that you provide as a TC. Mm -hmm. Okay, guys, we, we can upload this in the in the uh, Facebook group so you can download it and see what um, the transaction coordinator servicing look like. So you can expect the same thing. All right, what about the cost of the TC? What's a, an average, you know, or a good TC would cost per file? So it varies by area. And I'm always told that I don't charge enough, but that's just because I 
come from a giving perspective and a helpful perspective. So the minimum I charge on a file is $350. Um, depending on how much I do for the file, I'll charge upwards of like five or $600. If a file is double-ended by an agent where they, they represent the buyer and the seller, um, my 350 fee would go up to about 600. I don't quite charge double. I charge like one and a half. Um, and if I'm charging 500 normally, it would go up to 750. Now, if there's um, more help that's needed, like with newer agents that really need handholding, there's a point where I become a co-agent. And I don't get that very often, but there's a point where you become a co-agent and just be open to giving that transaction coordinator like a 35% referral, because if they're doing a lot of the work and they're guiding you through the transaction, they deserve it. They're working their butt off. They're doing your job, you know, basically. And so, or helping you do your job, I should say that kind of came off wrong. Um, but they, they give them what they deserve. There's enough for everybody. Okay. So what about, let's say I get, I, take the listing and I hire you as a TC, but sometimes in, in a, a month, the, the seller says, I like to cancel. I don't want to do anything more. Do I still pay you or this is just no charge at all? What happens then? Oh, the same thing with the buyer. You get a buyer, you go in and then it's canceled and the buyer disappears and there's no more transaction. So that's something to be agreed upon when you initially speak with someone, when you go over the fees and the services that you want provided. Um, I don't charge agents for cancellations of any reason. Um, it's not their fault nine times out of 10. They're not getting paid. So why should I get paid? That's my perspective. Not every TC feels that way. Some TCs may charge a fee even though they've canceled because they've done some work. So that's something to negotiate with your transaction coordinator and see what their perspective is on that. Gotcha. All right, guys. So uh, as we speak, I'm sure you have some questions. Please type your questions down here um, in the chat, or if you're um, watching live on Facebook, just comment in the in the uh, section so we can get some questions to you. Um, do you guys have any questions right now for Debbie, or we can continue the conversation? Hi, Debbie. Um, this is Judy. I just want to ask you because before I was in. Remax, we have an in-house transaction and we have to pay like a 250 per transaction. But every time um, it's turned on, like a, the transaction can kind of supervise me, my work. Say, Judy, you got to give this to sign. You got to give it to client to sign. And I was thinking, if I have to ask the client to sign all the things, then why I have to pay her? The transaction is supposed to to call my client or call, kind of make sure the other agent that like, kind of make sure they sign, right? All the paperwork and not me. Cause it's turned out I am the one do the work and she's kind of my supervisor to do the work. And I just feel like, is that this? So that's my impression to TC. And then now I can do my TC, my own TC in, in one hour, just finish everything. As soon as I get into the uh, transaction, but I just, I never use a TC just because of the experience in 15 years in Remax. She was almost every time she was pushing me and I just feel like, what's going on? So is that the normal TC way to do? Can you tell me? 
It depends on who, like I said, I cater my services to my agents and what their needs are. So, and I know quite a few transaction coordinators that do the same. So my minimum fee does not include me getting signatures on documents because as the agent, you need to be explaining the documents to the client. So Mm -hmm. if you're expecting me to do that, then that's an additional task for me to do. Mm -hmm. So I charge more when um, an agent is needing me to get signatures on documents because all of the disclosures here in California, there's, I don't know, 500,000 disclosures we have to have. I know that's an exaggeration just a little bit, but um, there's a lot to go over and I don't normally interact with the client. Um, That's for the agent to do. So if there's a a one-off situation where an agent says, hey, you know what, I'm going to set this envelope here. Can you drop this off to the client for me? Sure, I can do that. But normally I don't even deal with the client. So if, if it goes to the point where I'm now interacting with the client, now I'm kind of crossing that co-agent line. Mm-hmm. I'm no longer behind the scenes. Now I'm coming to the front line. I may be standing behind you, but I'm coming to the front line with you. So mm-hmm. there's an additional fee from me if I get signatures on a file. Okay, so what the TC doing? Until now, I still doesn't know, understand what the TC doing, you mean? What TC doing since we evolved, as soon as we open ASCO and uh, what the TC will do? So a TC typically takes all of the documents that you've gotten signed for a listing, takes all the documents you've gotten signed from um, the seller, checks them off the list of whatever your broker requires. For me, I use SkySlope. So I create the SkySlope mm-hmm. file. I put all the documents into SkySlope and assign them where they need to go. And then mm-hmm. if there's anything missing, which many times there are, um, then I notify the agent that, hey, we need these three or four forms signed by the seller in order for the listing agreement to be complete. So mm-hmm. then I either send them those or they know to get those signed. Mm-hmm. Then if a, if a offer comes in, then I take the purchase contract, I mm-hmm. update SkySlope, I put all the information into SkySlope, I update the checklist and put everything in. And then if you have the listing, then I send the seller disclosures to the buyer's agent within the time frame that it's required. And I'm basically just moving the paper around. So signatures are being done by both agents. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then once the so then when I get the paper, the disclosures back from the other agent, if there's like specific broker documents that need to be signed because brokers have their own like affiliated business agreements and things like that, then I will um, I will ask the agent, hey, this is the other broker's affiliated business. Do you want me to go ahead and get a signature on that? So if it's one or two things, I don't mind doing that. And I don't. But for the most part, the agent should be getting the signatures because they should be going over the documents with the client. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So Judy, what, what you're trying to do is to remove all paperwork from your plate and focus on income producing activities. So mm-hmm. that income producing activities is meeting clients, talking to clients, they get signatures on the contracts or on the listing appointment, on the, on the listing contract. This is everything else in the middle could be passed to the transaction coordinator. And based on what Debbie was explaining uh, for this half hour is just every transaction coordinator is doing business different way. And some of them are very flexible. 
So you have to tell them, hey, this is what I'm looking for. Can you accommodate me? And mm -hmm. if you can, if it's something extra, what you usually do, what, how much is going to cost me for you to do this to me? For example, I like when a document is sent to my clients, um, you know, my TC or assistant to call and confirm that uh, document is received so they can, sometimes they miss it. So another thing that I, uh, I like my agents to be involved during the transactions is only two things. First is negotiating the contract in the beginning, and then second, negotiating the repairs on the property. Everything in between, the transaction coordinator or the assistant uh, could do everything else. So just um, the idea is get rid of the paperwork, all the, uh, the little stuff that wastes your time so you can talk to more clients, meet more clients, sign more contracts. The key to it in hiring a transaction coordinator, it's just like if you were hiring an assistant, you would have an interview with them and ask them what their qualifications are. Same thing with a transaction coordinator. What are your expectations of your responsibilities? And then what, what, what they expect of you as the agent and what you expect of them as the transaction coordinator. And then you negotiate on a fee for that. So it's all just like the purchase contract everything's negotiable. And some transaction coordinators are willing to um, do extra things for certain agents and some are really by the book and only do certain things. So it's just a matter of speaking to the, to the person who you're um, potentially going to hire and just have an open conversation about your expectations and then their expectations. And then you go from there and then see if you guys vibe and have a good fit because I mean, sometimes personalities don't match and, and work ethic doesn't match. And that, that just, you want to you want to make sure that you vibe with the person. Yeah, that's guy. So, yeah, transaction coordinator is the very first thing you have to hire when your business starts grow, growing. Um, and it's a very important that person. So Debbie gave you a lot of tips how to do it. If you have any other questions, just reach out direct directly to Debbie. Find her online. Debbie, you're still doing transaction coordinating, right? Yes. Okay, so um, you can, she can help you and all that. So, all right, guys, I appreciate you guys being on the call. Um, we're going to send you a recording. You can log in in the group and, and rewatch it again. Talk to Debbie, talk to me if you have any questions. Remember, we're doing the um, Systems Wednesdays. So if you guys want help with some kind of a system in your business, please reach out to me, comment below or something that we can help you fix in your business and give you some actionable items to implement in your system, uh, systems in your business. So, all right. Thank you guys. I'll see you next time. Bye. Thank you, Augie. If you'd like more information or to get connected to the Agent Power Huddle, join our free Facebook group. This call was designed for the agents in our EXP organization, but open to any agent from any brokerage. If you're a guest and you're interested in learning more about EXP or our specific resources within the Agent Collective, reach out to the person who invited you to this call to get more info. Produced by the Agent Collective Media Network.